Enterprise Management 360. Welcome to this week's episode of Tech Chat Hits the Road, and this week we're at BDA Big Data Analytics, which is partnered with Whitehall Media, and uh, we're going around, we've got a lot of interviews coming up today that we want to share with you, and I've also got our client director, David Argent, joining us. David, now you've been to this event for a couple of years now, one of your favorites. Can you give me a little bit of background on what's going to be happening and what you're looking forward to? Well, the Whitehall Media guys have certainly impressed again. Uh, yeah, we've been media partnering this for five years, and what I've noticed this year, it's more. There's a lot more use cases of what's actually happening in the market. So when we first started, it was all pie in the sky and ideas, um, but certainly now, what we're seeing is more user adoption, and that really is representative in the. Um, keynote sessions mm-hmm. that are going on today so i'm really interested they've got some fantastic various industries uh even you know from the post office to hotels.com you know so i'm looking to hear the different use cases of how be, big data analytics is being adopted also some of the interesting vendors so the exhibit hall is quite big but there's um a security aspect that hasn't been there before mm-hmm. as well data centric security uh, and also some of the bi tools and uh, data integration and data management tools that are, are prominent. So really interested to speak to those guys as well and uh, see what we can find out today. Excellent. Well, I'm going to let you go and pick some people's brains now. And uh, I think we should get started with our first interview here. So I'm joined now by uh, Amit Levi from Anadot. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I wanted to look at what are the major benefits of AI for, for all ranges of businesses, really, when it comes to analytics. Yes. So actually, we see AI all over today. Mm. I just went to the grocery store yesterday, and I, I paid to an AI, to a robot, eventually, not to a person. And uh, we use AI when we want to go from places uh, using navigation systems. And AI, AI is, is all over. We, we know that. Uh, actually, the majority of decisions taken today in the world are taken by AI and not by humans. This is in stock exchange, in ad, uh, in ad, uh, ad tech, and so on. Um, so... And, I, and this is this is and now becomes the time for to use AI in analytics as well. So analytics hasn't really changed for the past fifteen years. We collect a lot of data, mm-hmm. massive amounts of data, but we use the same tools that we used a long while ago, a long while ago to analyze it. Uh, so now it's time to use smarter tools, uh, modern tools to analyze the data. And this is the, one of the biggest changes around uh, AI. Uh, basically, you, you'll see less and less queries being uh, written because mm. the AI looks at the data and he understands the data and that doesn't need to query the data. The, the data actually talks with us. So yeah. when something important happens, the data reaches out and tells you, hey, there's something that's important out there. Um, so that's basically where I see how AI will affect analytics in the, in the uh, short while. Exactly. It's, it's looking towards the kind of the future and how AI could just make life easier. Because there's no point using the old methods when you've got this resource right there that makes, makes life so much easier for you, isn't it? So um, with that, how can organizations kind of stay on top of the technology and just make sure they're using it beneficially for the future for more consistent and accurate an- analytics? It is very hard for big organizations to uh, adopt new technologies. Uh, there's a lot of research about that. Uh, basically, the main uh, takeaway shows that if you have a very clear use case, you will be able to leverage the technology. Mm-hmm. If you go and shop for technologies that just for technology shopping, it usually doesn't work. You need to have a very clear use case in the organization and see what is the technology that you can leverage for this use case. Mm-hmm. So again, the best examples that we see is with companies that have a specific problem, they go and search the web, 
there are some experts, and then they uh, run uh, they run a test with a few uh, possible uh, solutions, and uh, and choose the best uh, way. But everything ties back to the use case and a strong champion within organizations to, run, to within your organization to run this use case. Excellent. Well, I appreciate your insight on that today. Thanks so much, Amir. Thank, Thank you. you. So I'm joined by uh, Ian McDonald here of Pyramid Analytics. Thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. So one thing I wanted to ask you about, because obviously what, what we do is a lot around enterprise tech. So, so how can enterprises transform big data analytics into real-time decisions? Um, it comes down to how good your analytics platform is. Mm. Um, many of the products in the market, and particularly those that kind of jumped on the big data bandwagon a few years ago, uh, primarily are, are desktop or, or workstation-centric products and relied upon actually not analyzing the big data but extracting small portions of it, downloading it to the workstation, loading it into some kind of in-memory engine, mm-hmm. and performing the analysis there. So really, in my mind, they were never really big data tools in a lot of ways because they were working essentially with extracts all the time. So in order to be at that real-time decision, you need to be much closer to the data. You need to have effect uh, in-place analytics. So whether you're working with you know, big Hadoop-based systems or maybe with more traditional enterprise data warehouses based around things like Teradata and the Tezzer, et cetera, um, you need to be able to push the analytics back to the underlying database engine. And the Pyramid platform in many ways is unique in terms of being able to do that with, with many types of databases. And even if you're blending data together to be able to write it back to that kind of traditional data storage. And the importance of that comes back to a little bit maybe lead on to another topic later, which is the whole governance situation. So again, with desktop tools, once the data is out of your central repository and it's on the desktop, effectively you've lost control of it as an enterprise. If you actually restrict that capability and say, okay, the data must be written back into a central governed repository, that makes it more secure more, and also more accessible to share with other people. Um, obviously, if, you know, to do that kind of real-time decision-making, it, as I say, the analytics need to be done in place. It needs to be done on the source data uh, without the kind of latency that extract and load and stuff will actually entail in terms of those desktop tools. And the pyramid platform running on the server with the HTML5 access essentially means there's, there's no data movement. Mm. And so, therefore, the latency issue is gone. Yeah. Uh, and I can do that in-place analytics and drive those, the answers, the analytic answers out to my business users that much more quickly. Excellent. That's great. It's just being there in the moment, being exactly. able to do it. Um, yeah. you, you mentioned in there about, about governance and obviously yeah. security is, is a massive thing. So, yeah. so how can companies secure the big data for their analytical workloads? Mm. Yeah. Um, there's two areas of security you need to consider, one which is the data and one which is the content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in addition, you may also want to subdivide the content, for example, by tenant. So in a number of industries, you think of um, you know, retail versus commercial banking, uh, the two sides of the business are not supposed to actually interact together. There's supposed to be a Chinese wall between them. Mm-hmm. So in that situation, having a, an analytic platform where I can split the content in terms of the data and the content that's created uh, into different tenants, and then obviously never the two shall meet actually within the analytic platform. So it allows you to govern the data content, uh, obviously allow different people to see different content and results of the analyses, but also to overlay on whatever the underlying data storage engines are a consistent governance approach 
in terms of you know, what um, attributes are visible, what analytic measures are visible to different types of users, what level of analytic complexity they're allowed to create themselves and what should be created centrally and shared and distributed. Mm-hmm. And again, having a centralized platform makes that governance that much more easy. And when I'm creating that content, again, access to that in terms of who can read and see what content and who can modify it, again, all that can be governed and managed centrally through administration console. And I'm not running around 10,000 users' desktops trying to actually manage those individual installations. Yes, that makes life a lot easier, doesn't it? (laughs) Thanks so much for your insight today, and I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. So I'm sitting here with Mark Maxwell at Fivetran. Uh, Mark, I, I wanted to kind of talk about, obviously, what uh, what Fivetran does. So if you could just explain to me the benefits of if you were replicating data into a cloud warehouse. Yeah, sure. So I guess there's, there's two parts to that. One, uh, replicating into a warehouse in general, and two, replicating into a cloud warehouse in particular. Mm. So why would you centralize your data into a warehouse? So that you can have... Uh, data from all different sources together to cross-analyze against each other and go deeper with your insights. So when you analyze data from just one source, it is that your insights are confined to what that source has gathered for you. When you cross-analyze data from multiple different sources and bring together data pertaining to different parts of a business, you get a much deeper and more comprehensive insight into what's going on uh, underneath the hood of your business. Mm -hmm. Part two then, why do it in the cloud? Well, cloud is a lot more agile, it's a lot quicker, uh, much more powerful, And then I guess, uh, most importantly, both storage and compute, the two key functions of a warehouse, are much, much cheaper and more scalable in a cloud environment. Yeah, definitely. So so when you're pitching that to to an organization, obviously you mentioned with with the London move, what what kind of, what are you hoping to see progress in the future? Um, Well, one thing we're definitely seeing is a lot of the, so almost all startups are cloud only. Mm. Um, Most mid-sized companies now are moving into cloud only. One thing that we want to see more of is some of those larger businesses uh, adopt the cloud and move over into the cloud. They are doing it. They are being receptive. Um, There are several businesses, including ourselves, Snowflake, Looker, who are really kind of uh, convincing these people the cloud is the way to go, and and they're getting the results from it. So if we can see more of those uh, large companies, enterprise-sized companies, Mm -hmm. adopt cloud solutions, that would be really progressive. That sounds perfect. Let's hope they do. Thanks so much for your time today, Mark. I'm joined now by Felix from uh, Comfort AG. So first of all, when we're kind of looking at stuff, why should companies not compromise when it comes to data-centric security? So basically, there are a lot of uh, risks out there, and uh, with a lot of vulnerabilities that, that you have in your system, um, you end up uh, being, being really a good target for, for hackers to get access to, to sensitive data that is in your system. And as we see at the, as we look at the recent breaches, um, uh, a lot of companies struggle to protect uh, their data, and uh, they get breached. So basically, data-centric security is a is a different approach uh, to protect your data by making sure that it's protected all the time, even when you use it, uh, wherever it goes, the security travels with your data. Excellent. So, so how does data-centric security differ now from from old security methods in the past? So yeah, basically, um, in the past you had your perimeter defense, which uh, means you build a wall around the machines that that were processing the data. You build a wall around uh, your network. And the problem with that is that it only protects you from from known uh, attack methods. And um, basically, it doesn't protect you from from anything you don't know. So if you protect against uh, 100 different attack vectors, uh, there's 101 uh, option to come into your network, and then the hackers use that one. 
Uh, and basically, if you protect the data, uh, and even if hackers get access and they get the data, it's useless for them. So it's a useless treasure, if you will. Right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so just quickly to wrap up there with, uh, with data-centric security, how do you see it moving forward in the future? Like, what are the kind of plans you see going forward? So if you look at the trends, a lot of companies mentioned already that um, investing a lot more money in the classic uh, um, parameter defense isn't helping them a lot um, with protecting uh, their infrastructure. Um, and actually, uh, um, data-centric security is one of the main trends in, in cybersecurity, combined with uh, IAM, with uh, identity and access management, to make sure that only the ones, only the applications and the users that are allowed to access data really get access to that data. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for your insight today, Felix. I appreciate it. So I'm joined now by Zolf from HVR. Thanks so much for joining me today. So how can companies leverage modern technologies in order to advance their analytics that they're using? No, great question. Uh, and again, just, just giving you a brief um, background around this is what we've seen is, you know, a couple of decades ago, we were seeing that there were a few technologies for reporting purposes. Now, what we're seeing now with the evolve uh, explosion of data itself, we're seeing different requirements on how to report on that data. So there's a plethora of technologies that we're seeing. Uh, and where HVR can help is, as, as technologies grow, we're seeing that the requirements on actually producing the reports are getting shorter and shorter, mm. where customers want to see the most up-to-date and fresh data, and that's where HVR can help. So in terms of technologies, you know, when we work with our clients, yes, we see a lot of the evolving technologies around big data like Kafka, uh, like HDFS, but yeah. what we're seeing is an explosion in the cloud as well. So now customers are faced with multiple choices in where that data is going to reside. Um, and, and what I would say is that HVR can help move that data in a more non-invasive and real-time manner from your operational systems to that end technology platform. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head there. Everyone's wanting to get information as quick as possible and analytics there and then. Do you think when we kind of, as we move forward and we get better and better, um, people are going to be able to have real-time constant updates and be able to, to use that functionality in a really um, beneficial way? No, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, when I've spoken about HVR, we're concerned more on the real-time aspect from the acquisition of that data from source systems. But today, earlier on, I, um, I presented on a use case for Hop Airlines, okay. and that was more of an end-to-end -end platform for accessing real-time data and pushing information to their end users who were crew members like pilots or flight attendants so they could get that up-to-date information uh, as quick as possible. And that was a combination of HVR and technologies like Kafka for downstream processing as well. Excellent. Well, thank you for your insight today, Zolf. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. So now I'm joined by Jared White uh, at Looker. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Um, so how can companies drive digital transformation while they're still being mindful of information governance, which is obviously a big thing going forward? Right. So governance is really important. Um, one of the things that we want to do at Looker is get data to as many people as possible, but but keep in mind that that data has to be correct and it has to be consistent around the entire company. Um, so through Looker's uh, semantic modeling layer, we call LookML, um, and our kind of in-database approach to data analytics, um, we can be sure that the, the users who consume the data are going to be getting the right data and consistent data no matter where they sit within the company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So uh, another aspect is, um, so how can companies solve the gap between the intention of big data and also finally the deployments of it. 
Um, so big data promised a lot of things when we started talking about it like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And frankly, it really didn't deliver on all of those. Um, one of the things that it really did deliver on was these massive, powerful databases. Um, databases like Google BigQuery, Amazon Redshift, multiple cloud databases. And these databases are really good at storing lots of data in the cloud um, or, or on-premise. Um, and, and you can query them in real time. Um, and so that last mile, right, like getting the data out where it's needed and when it's needed in a format that's useful um, is the most important part of that. Excellent. That's perfect. Thanks so much for your insight today, Jared. Really appreciate it. No worries. So I'm joined here with Patrick Alhan at DataStacks. Thank you so much for joining me today, Patrick. So I want to talk about how, how would you move an organization away from their old legacy systems, for example, to show the benefits and, most importantly for organizations, the return of investment for if they're doing a hybrid multi-cloud option? Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's a big a big thing at the moment with the you know digital modernization of companies, and I think people are struggling to see you know how, what what is their, their strategy to move to the cloud. No one, everybody wants to take advantage of it because obviously there's there's huge advantages, but also each of the cloud vendors now are really competing on price. They're competing on services. Things like um, the AI technologies and machine learning as a service are are really going to become um, the de facto standard in the future. You don't need to have as many um, you know, in-house data experts. You, you're going to be using data, data science as a, as a service. Um, but in terms of you know, the legacy systems that companies have, really we, we tend to look at what can be modernized, what you know, as a slicing off parts of the business, whether it's modernization in terms of customer experience or maybe uh, inventory for some, uh, for maybe retail customers and things like that, loyalty programs, things that are obviously, um, you know, they're, they're enablers for the cloud, right? They're simple deployments. Yeah. When we look at, you know, banks are particularly slow, insurance companies the same, government can be difficult. They're not, they can't, just give up on their old tech and they have huge amounts of systems. So it is a strategy. It is a five to ten year strategy in some cases. Um, but that's what we work with. We work with them around what goes first, what is complementary tech, mm -hmm. how do you avoid getting locked into a particular vendor. Yeah. Um, that That's a big one at the moment um, because obviously um, there's you know, the government want to use things like G Cloud and they want to have their own, they want to have secure cloud services and um, more and more, I think people are a little more paranoid about where their data ends up of and course. where it's backed up and, yeah. you know. Um, so that it, it's really a strategy. We try and partner with companies over the long term, um, but using our database as an enabler to move them from on-premise to a, a cloud-first strategy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes complete sense, and as you say, there's a lot of issues around security. That seems to be the main focus, but as you say, hopefully it can kind of move to that uh, that system. Well, thank you so much for your insight today, Patrick. So that's a wrap here at uh, this episode of Tech Chat Hits the Road at BDA. I want to thank everyone who took the time to talk to us. I really appreciate it. Uh, David, just as we close here, I want to get your thoughts on the event and what uh, your takeaways were. Well, it's been a busy day. I mean, what an event. Um, I would say it's one of the best years we've had because there's such a mixture of, of people from end users and, and quite high level people. You know, chatted to, to a few members of staff from, from Visa uh, all the way down to uh, Royal Mail and really got this networking buzz 
around the event during the breakout sessions. And that was really good. Uh, also spoke to a few clients as well um, who are doing new things in the market. There's some great news happening in the industry. Um, and I'm sure uh, you, you guys um, listening to this today have certainly taken away a little bit from the interviews that we've done because we have. Yeah, definitely. So uh, once again, thank you for everyone that had us, um, took the time to talk to us. Make sure you go follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter, and obviously head on over to the website, em360tech.com, for more great information. If you're interested in generating leads for your business, make sure you head on over to the Tell Us Your Audience page, where we can generate your content across North America, Europe, and APAC, and generate SQRs and MQRs right back to you. Please join us next week for another episode of Tech Chat, and we'll uh, see you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Pour avoir un site bien conçu et bien référencé, il y a ceux qui galèrent bien. Et puis il y a les autres, ceux qui veulent créer eux-mêmes leur site facilement et ceux qui préfèrent ne rien faire. Pour eux, Yonos s'occupe de tout. Ce qui est sûr, c'est qu'avec Yonos, on peut toujours faire appel à son conseiller personnel, comme s'il était dans le bureau d'à côté. À choisir, vous préférez quoi Un tuto ou un conseiller que vous finirez par tutoyer À bientôt sur Yonos, ionos.fr slash podcast. Bonne écoute